These are extraordinary times, but with too much information and much of it confusing. On Body Ecology Living, I interview some of the best minds to help you live your best life possible. We'll discuss topics on using foods to heal, on building a hearty immune system, on aging well, on taking care of your gut and, of course, your brain, but most of all, on clarifying the right steps to be happier, healthier, and having the energy to make a difference in your own world. Welcome, everybody, to Body Ecology Living. Um, I'm really excited about this podcast, and I know that, you know, our followers, there's many more women, uh, although we do have men, so this podcast, even if you're a man, I think you're going to find it very, very enlightening, so I'm sure you have some women in your life, but it's especially important for women because, um, you know, we're different from men, and today we're going to be talking about fasting with a expert, Dr. Mindy Pels, and she is an expert in women and fasting. So a lot, maybe some of you don't know anything about fasting. And so we'll start with a few basics, but we're going to quickly move into how women need to fast differently than men. So uh, Mindy, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I just, I love talking about this. And, and I really appreciate that you said to the men, stay on because I find that men are really as interested in this conversation as women, especially if they have a lot of women in their life. Yeah, because um, they may want to fast themselves. They may be fasting and the women might be fasting along with them. But I think it's really important that they understand that that might be a mistake. So, right. yes, I think it's going to be a great talk. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell people right off the bat that um, Mindy, uh, as of today, it's August, mid-August, but in December, she has a book coming out that we're definitely uh, talking about, and we're going to, it's called Fast Like a Girl, which I love that title, and you can actually pre-order it even now. So it won't be out until the beginning of December, but I think after our conversation today, you're absolutely going to want to have this book in your library. So, uh, Mindy, let's get started. I want to tell everybody that one of the reasons I believe in what you're doing is that I studied Chinese medicine for eight years trained for a little while to be an acupuncturist and then realized that wasn't my thing. But um, because I felt like people would go to an acupuncturist and get balanced and then go back and eat wrong. So I ultimately ended up in food. But um, in Chinese medicine, it's kind of well known that uh, women need to eat differently throughout their cycle. So when I found your work, I thought, this is great. Uh, Mindy is honoring a woman's cycle. So if we could just get started and, and for the people that are, you know, brand new to fasting, can you just talk about, you know, some basics and also um, the fact that there's different types of fasting and, you know, just kind of a little bit of a primer before we get into the juicy stuff. Yeah, of course, of course. So, you know, I think the best way to look at fasting is really to rename it time-restricted eating. I really feel like I like fasting just because it's easy to say it's everybody kind of understands fasting. But if you really want to understand the mechanics behind fasting, you're looking at time restricted eating. The old theory of food that we've all bought into was eat six meals a day. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. The more you eat, the faster your metabolism. Believe me, I have spent 
years trying to find the science to support that, and it is nowhere to be found. Whereas what is emerging out of the fa- the intermittent fasting craze is this research and this realization amongst all humans that if we take the food we eat and we compress it in a certain time period, it leaves a longer time period for our body to rest. Now, we originally thought that meant let your digestive rest, system rest. But what research like articles coming out in Nature and Cell Metabolism are showing us that if you can, if you take your eating and put it into an eight to 10 hour eating window, leaving 16 hour, around 16 hours for fasting, that you, they start to see all your metabolic markers go down. So we start to see CRP, which is a sign of inflammation go down. We start to see hemoglobin A1C numbers start to change, which is a sign of how much oxygen can get to your tissues. We see fasting glucose and fasting insulin goes down. We see people, uh, their cholesterol, total cholesterol and LDLs go down. So what we're starting to see in science and part of why I think fasting has taken over the world is that in this rest period, in these longer rests, the body is healing itself, which is so consistent with the message you've been teaching for so many years. And I, of course, have done time-restricted feeding before there was that term, um, as we were talking earlier, um, because I was really, um, you know, I took antibiotics for a long time, really screwed up my gut. It didn't feel good to eat. So, of course, I knew I had to eat, and I did. But there's be long periods of time where I wouldn't eat. So I was actually practicing time-restricted feeding uh, because I felt it was what was essential, you know. And now that I'm older, I really feel like that's been a great uh, asset. And I think it's one of the things I've been doing for a long time that's allowed me to age, you know, comfortably. So, But one of the things I'd love for you to say is, um, or explain to people, is autophagy, how that happens when we're not eating and what's going on with the brain. And also, I just want to throw into what you said, add to what you said, um, something I love because I think this is huge. I think most of us out there in the real world are um, either a pre-diabetic or diabetic. And the fact that it makes your um, insulin receptors more sensitive, you didn't say that. So I was going to add that to the conversation. But could you talk a little bit about autophagy? Yeah, definitely. So uh, uh, if we look at this from a big picture, what I've been seeing just in research and application to the people in our community is that there's about six different length fasts where you start to see healing happen. And that ranges everything from 13 hours of no eating to 72 hours. And I like to think of these like switches. So this, like at 13 hours, we see some hormonal switches come on. At 17 hours, we see this autophagy switch come on. So each hour you go, there's more and more healing switches that you're activating. With autophagy and why it's so important, and this ties into, Donna, why you're probably seeing the results long-term with aging, is autophagy is a way of turning on the inner intelligence inside a cell. Without food, when blood sugar goes down, nutrients go down, this inner intelligence in the cell gets turned on and it looks around the cell and it says, okay, wait, there's some things that are broken in here. There's some viruses that are in here. There's some parasites that are in here. We better get rid of these. We better fix this up. 
So it literally is a way of taking your cells and making them stronger. A lot of people think of autophagy as detox, and it's not really that. It's a way of repairing the cell with one exception, and this is the beautiful part. As if this intelligence looks around the cell and says, hey, wait, this cell's really messed up. In fact, this cell is aging too fast. This cell's going to turn into a cancer cell. This cell has been over overrun by viruses. It will actually kill the cell. And we call that process apoptosis. And what it typically does is it takes the most dysfunctional uh, cells that we call senescent cells, these cells that age us, and it gets it out of your body. Like, and and when you stop and you think about that, it's 17 hours of fasting and you trigger this. So when we do this on a fairly regular basis, there, I don't know a supplement, I don't know a food, I don't know a biohack that can clean these cells up as well as regular fasting, especially if you start to hit these 17 hours and start to hit autophagy. Well, um, first of all, I've never heard anyone explain autophagy so well. And secondly, I love what you said about inner intelligence. I've never heard anyone say that before. So that's so perfect. And um, anyway, so good. We have that sort of basic thing for everybody to know. Um, so there are different types of fasting. There are certain people that shouldn't fast. Uh, you want to just bring that out real quickly so I can get in. Yeah, some more, definitely. More Let's, I always like to get that one out of the way. Um, for starters, the, the fast that I teach in Fast Like a Girl are six different length fasts. And so there's a lot of fasting styles, but these are the ones that I find not only have the best science to them, but they also are the easiest for us to apply. Um, so, so let's start there. That when we look at who shouldn't fast, it's actually a small group of people. And especially when it comes to women. Um, for starters, pregnancy. Pregnancy is not the time to fast. I, I can't say this over enough. Please, if you're pregnant, like turn off the podcast right now. It's not, this is not your tool. There are other great tools, but this is not yours. Well, let me ask you a quick question uh-huh. before we move on. Uh, what if a woman has just become you know, pregnant? She's in that stage where she doesn't feel like eating because she's throwing up. If she what doesn't if, feel like if, eating, that's that's fine. Um, but what we typically will see is there will be, a, like if hormones are surging in in that first trimester and she doesn't feel like eating, then really a good strategy would be to just, when you do feel like eating, try to eat within a short, shorter period of time, leaving longer period of time for repair. But ultimately, every pregnant woman I've ever seen is going to have a two-month, at two months, three months, is going to start to become ravenous and is going to want to eat more. And it's in that moment that we need to ditch the fasting tool. Great. Okay, let's go on. So not pregnant women, number one. Okay. Okay. The second one is nursing women. And let me just say, you if you can intermittent fast, you just don't want to stimulate autophagy. And let me tell you why. And, and this is not scientific. This is more logical. It's just what we're seeing because we don't have a lot of studies on women. This is part of the problem. But when we're nursing, any detox is going to go through breast milk. So really important that um, you don't hit that 17 hours because your body, if it decides there's some toxic cells it needs to get rid of, it'll get rid of it and it'll dump it in your breast milk and then that will go into your baby. So intermittent fasting is great. Let's just not go longer than 17 hours. So nine hours of eating 
but just the eating right. window would be about nine hours. Yeah, a day, yeah, to, that's a yeah, great way. So one to seven. Yeah, you can go to that other the side. And then the last one, you know, the last two I would say are you can work with. And I'm going to be very careful about how I say this. The first is if you have any kind of eating disorder. Now, when I say you can work with it, you should work with your practitioner. So I can tell you on my YouTube channel, we have so many doctors and therapists, nurses that are learning different tools around fasting. And I personally have seen some incredible results with people who have a very uh, struggle with their relationship with food. I've seen them totally change that relationship through fasting. But if you know you tend to be a little more what we call orthorexic, where you're really become too rigid with your health habits, or you have any history of of eating disorders, you're going to want to involve your uh, whoever is guiding you through that process. You want to involve them in it. And then the last one is really adrenal fatigue. Also, I've seen some great results with adrenal fatigue, but you need to be slow as you go about your fasting uh, lifestyle. I just want to interject here that over the years, I've had at least a dozen people go on the Buddy Culture Diet and they had an eating disorder, you know, and that for some reason being on the diet totally got fixed it. But I think it has to do with the fact that they're, they have like candidiasis, um, other infections in the body, and they're conquering that. And then, you know, a lot of times yeast will make you crave sugars and, and cause eating disorders or, or something. But, but not, it's not just an emotional thing. Like they don't have something psychologically wrong with them because we found that changing the diet they they're fine you know they don't have that problem anymore so i just want to throw that in there and i i Um, I a thousand percent agree with you and um that we can start to see changes um when we apply healthy habits so that's why i'm always mm -hmm. cautious it's like i want everybody to fast and yet some people just need a little more assistance with the process great everybody except pregnant and nursing exactly wait okay so mindy let's get Men out of the way, because they're much more simple. And uh, then we'll move into women, which is more complicated, but much more interesting. Yeah. So men are hormonally much more simple. And I think this is this is a key point, not just with fasting, but with everything in life. You know, there's what I'm seeing is that as we're teaching women how to fast according to our hormones, she's starting to ask questions like, should I exercise different? Should I eat different? Like, once you understand hormones, you start seeing that that, that the way we build our lifestyle really matters to uh, magnify these hormones. Men don't have to think like that. Literally, men get testosterone surges about every 15 minutes. So they're getting testosterone dripping into their system on a continual basis throughout the day, throughout the day. The fasting research shows that if a man fasts for about 15 hours, he can upregulate his hormones, his testosterone by about 1300%. And if he fasts all day and he goes to almost 2000 per he can increase his testosterone by almost 2000%. So, so you're saying 24 hours in 24 hours. Yeah. So you would, okay. he would just eat one meal a day. And so like if he ate at six o'clock on Monday night, if he didn't eat again until six o'clock on Tuesday night, he has increased his testosterone levels by 2000%. Oh, that's huge. But let me just inter- ask huge. another question right here. So you know how low t- men, and so for my father's generation, skipping me to my son's generation, I was shocked to learn that male 
testosterone has dropped fifty percent. Yeah. So we're looking at young men from about the age of almost fifty down that have lower levels of testosterone than they did a couple of generations ago when men went off to war, for example, yeah. during say World War Two. Yeah. So what about like would fasting make a difference? Well, absolutely, in, in- absolutely. Low testosterone is definitely become an issue for both men and women. And at the root of low testosterone is insulin resistance and toxic load. So fasting can ha- help both of those. It can make you insulin sensitive and it can get rid of the cells that have the most amount of toxins in them. So, and we also know that the outside of the ovaries and the outside of the testes, those cells are very, very susceptible to autophagy, which means that when you put yourself into a state of autophagy, they clean up really nicely. And and when you go back and you think, well, why was the body designed like that? You realize that the areas like our eyes are really repairable with autophagy because we need to see. Well, the reason that ovaries and testes are so repairable with autophagy is because we need to reproduce to stay alive as a species. So, so I want to just, this is so important, everybody, yeah. what Mindy just said, please, I'm going to be sure that it's, you know, we catch this, that men and women too, before they conceive, need to be preparing for that conception of that child because you're making another human being. That's yes. just, there's nothing more extraordinary. Yes. So men too need to clean up and get toxins out of their uh, sperm, basically. So when they make sperm, it's far less toxic. This is huge. What Mindy just said is absolutely huge. Yep. Same with women, of course, but women don't prepare, aren't doing, uh, you know, it makes me so upset when I see somebody like got all excited because she's pregnant, but she smokes and she drinks. I just, just had that happen. Yeah. You know, that happened yesterday. So it's fresh in my mind, but men too, you know, they, they, so anyway, yeah. Please mark that down. Make a note of it. Share it. Please remember it if you're at that stage of your life where you want to have a child. What Mindy just said is extremely important. Yeah. So, I, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm super happy you emphasize that because we live in the most toxic time in human history. So you, if you're conceiving a baby right now, you're bringing a baby into a very toxic world. And we pass our toxic load down to our children from through the maternal side. So we've got to, mom's got to clean up. Dad's got to clean up because the sperm can get triggered with different genetics. So it's a, it's a hot mess of an issue. And oh, let me want to add, let me add yeah, one more little thing. Yeah. I just think this is extraordinary and nobody knows it really, uh, not too many people. But so just the very moment of conception, something extraordinary happens. So let's say people have been doing what men have been fasting, you know, and they're, they've cleaned up their, um, by doing autophagy, they've actually cleaned up uh, and have gotten rid of toxins, have much healthier sperm. At the moment of conception, something extraordinary takes place. And all those markers that are put on the DNA and the man and in the women, they're immediately erased. And then if the mother and father um, have healthier sperm um, and they've been taking care of themselves and they will keep ta- the mother will keep taking care of herself going forward, that baby is going to be much, much healthier. And I, I really... Just think that's extraordinary yeah, that, agree. you know, nature gives us a chance to kind of clean up 
mistakes we've yeah. made. So so true. The body onward. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It's it's a great point. So so with men, you know, it's as simple as you can fast whenever you want. You can fast however long you want. There's only one exception for men. If you go back and you look at how our cave ancestors lived, they did what we call feast famine cycling, where they were able to go long periods without food, but then they would make a kill and they'd come back and they'd power up on food. So one of the things we want to make sure that men don't fall in the habit of just doing one meal a day for months after month after month, you still need to have moments where you step out of fasting. Typically, I tell men to do what we call a 5-1-1, which is five days a week of intermittent fasting, about 15 hours, one day a week, just push your fast. See if you can get to 24 hours and one day a week, don't fast. Then you're now mimicking what the cave ancestors did. But outside of that, that's all men need to know. Like it, that, like there you go. That's your fasting. The fasting story for men is quite simple. So like that. that's the fasting story for men who are actually very. Uh, they're, they're simple, basically. Yes, very it's simple. It's really important that they know this. Yeah, so great. So now with women, here's the challenge we have, and let's go through each hormone. So estrogen. Estrogen loves when you fast. Ask any menopausal woman who will tell you that when she went through menopause, she was eating the same diet, doing the same exercise, but she started to pack on 10, 15 pounds. Well, the reason is as estrogen declined, you started to become more insulin resistant. So in order to get estrogen to maximize her glory, whether you're 65 or you're 25, we really want to keep insulin sensitive. We want to keep glucose down and you will produce more insulin. You will, or estrogen. You will use more estrogen. You will watch estrogen shine. Progesterone, her twin sister is, may look the same, may show up hormonally very similar, but she does not want you to fast. She wants you to, to keep cortisol low. Anytime cortisol goes high, progesterone gets shy. It Progesterone hides. So exercise is a form of raising cortisol. It's a good, it's a good cortisol raise. Fasting is a good cortisol raise, but, but progesterone gets bashful. So we've got it. We've got to mind progesterone. We also know, and this one fascinates me as I started to look into this, that naturally we, our glucose increases the week before our cycle when we're for cycling women. We naturally raise, our body naturally raises glucose. Now, I've read this in a, a PubMed study, but I've now put a continuous glucose monitor on so many women. I will tell you, it is a matter of fact that you will watch a woman's blood sugar go up the week before her period over and over and over again. And there is a reason for that. Progesterone needs glucose to be high. So there is a reason. Yeah. And because you might get pregnant then, it's essential for the baby. Progesterone and cortisol, um, glucose, I mean, and progesterone will be going higher during throughout the pregnancy, especially progesterone. Well so- said. Yeah. That's the reason for that. Yeah. Right. So it's it all comes back to the fact that we are meant to reproduce. And just to throw this in there, I mentioned earlier that I was studied um, Chinese medicine for eight years. And one of the things that I learned is that during the phase of her cycle where her est- progesterone should be climbing, she gets reaches that last few days and 
she starts craving sugar like crazy because she's been eating a lot of salt. She's been eating a lot of animal protein like before uh, in the first cycle, which is good. That works in the second half of the cycle when you're, uh, you know, about to have your period that um, she'll go out and eat like an entire candy bar or a pint of ice cream or something. Suddenly your period will start. So, um, but Chinese medicine totally supports what you're saying, Mindy. Yeah. Uh, that that that's awesome. I love hearing that um, because I came at this from you know looking at hormones, looking at the science, and then applying it. So it's I, I'm getting more and more validation from other um, healthcare beliefs that wow, yeah, this really is is a fit, and that's what we see to your point in all these women. So, and I, I think it's so interesting that how many years that we villainized the week before our period. We condemn it. We're like, ah, I'm cramping, I'm tired, I'm craving carbs. But when you stop and you think what your body's trying to do, your body's trying to slow you down. It's trying to raise your glucose. And it's trying to make you a little more introverted. You're not as extroverted that week before. But you know, in this modern patriarchal world, we tend to be a, a little more um, like push on through that moment. And what I, what I hope women understand is that actually that's, I call it the nurture phase. That's what I named it in the fast, like a girl is like, that's really the time we need to nurture ourselves because that's what our body is demanding. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that because I watched years ago when the tampon ads came on, on TV, I was like kind of shocked. Like people weren't talking about things like that, but they always had a beautiful young girl jumping on her bicycle, driving across, you know, riding across town when she's having her period. Yeah. So I thought, oh my gosh, this is like, and anyway, it changed everything. So next generation, uh, who started, by the way, having hormone problems that we didn't have in our generation. So true. Some women, it's kind of rare, had problems, but um, breast tenderness, cramping, which is like considered normal today. Yep. But nobody tells a woman, so what your your message is very important here, during that time, you must rest. And, and traditionally, like going way, way back, I even remember reading a book called The Red Tent about how the, all the women cycle together in a tribe, and they'd all go into the tent. Uh, it was called The Red Tent. Um, like this is like old Jewish uh, history or whatever you want to call it, but They'd all go in there together. There probably weren't that many of them, and they'd hang out together for that week and all rest. And and everybody in the rest, you know, really nurtured them and gave them that time to rest because yeah. they might be having a baby, and that was a big deal back yeah. in that day. In those days, when babies died, you know, yeah. too easily. Do you know Spain is now give, um, giving three days menstrual leave every month? A woman can just say, oh. "I need three days." Um, now, what's interesting is they call it a menstrual leave. And I think they anticipated that it would be when she starts her cycle. But if you actually look at us hormonally, the time you should take a menstrual leave would be the, the, your PMS time, the week before your period, because that's when progesterone is building. But it, people well, are waking Spain? up to this. Like why, yeah, why, why, how come that happened? I mean, that's pretty progressive. Incredibly progressive. Well, you know, the other thing that's happening right now, and it's all over the news currently, is that we're starting to see that women who go through menopause because estrogen declines, her brain, it takes about 10 years for her brain to catch up with that decline. So she is much more vulnerable to stress. And so there's a lot of conversation about how to help menopausal women in the workplace. So it's it literally, Donna, I feel like the world is waking up to women's hormones and saying, wait, 
we've been trying to look at women and men very much the same. And now we see that that is not working and we need to make modifications for women's hormones. Uh, You know, when I was going through my advanced fellowship training with A4M, I took a lot of courses, uh, 450 hours at least, of hormones. And it's very clearly stated that when a woman begins to lose her progesterone, brain cells go down and they don't really recover. Yeah. Uh, And so that's an important, it's important to know this and also to be proactive. So let's say, you know, I mean, they recommend bioidentical hormones and testing with the Dutch test and also uh, to, to find out if your estrogen is declining because you're working with a really savvy doctor who understands all this. But would you, would, uh, how would fasting, if the woman is fasting, what, what would you say with all you know about estrogen helping with that? Yeah. So when we look, it depends on ages, but when we look at um, any estrogen challenge, estrogen can really be helped by fasting because if you are estrogen dominant, your estrogen dominant for in, in, with the bad estrogens. You're not, most women are not estrogen dominant with the good estrogens, at least on the Dutch tests that we've seen. So, uh, you, what we want to do is look at using fasting as a tool to not just produce estrogen, the good estrogens. And when you produce the good estrogens, you'll help balance the bad ones. But fasting also helps clean out any glucose that's in the liver and it helps repair the microbiome. There's incredible research showing that when we fast, we start to see the bad bacteria fall out of the gut. We repair leaky guts. There's even a thing where they show that bacteria starts to spread out in the gut so that your makes it more absorbable of nutrients and all of that can be ha- helped with fasting. So when we look at just estrogen alone, she can really shine as a woman learns to fast. And that doesn't matter what age you are. If you have a cycle, the trick is you have to know when to pull out your fasting tool. Do you know when estrogen is coming in? And I, I have found so many women don't even know when estrogen is coming in. Well, let's talk about that because you're right. This is a so I just want people to know I'm writing a book and one of the chapters is on fasting. I personally do intermittent fasting all the time and have for years. Eight hour eating window for me. But then I realized when I found Mindy's work, how important it was to add a little extra bonus piece in there about her work. So then, you know, I really, I think I did a good job in this because it explains a woman's cycle really well. And then I bring in Mindy's knowledge about this area. It's really important. So the whole month long, you should be, you know, eating differently, behaving, you know, acting different, change your lifestyle. And also Mindy, let's talk about the different cycles because I don't think women understand, especially young women, no no one's really taught them that, you know, throughout the cycle, we change and our needs change. So let's really delve into that. Yeah. It, it, it still baffles me that if you go back to what we're taught when, we, when, our, when puberty hits, is we're just taught blood management and we're taught, oh, you can be pregnant now. We're not taught that in a 28 to 30 day, you know, period that hormones are going to come in and out and they're going to make you feel different and they're going to need different responses from you. And that's what blows me away is we need to go to your point. We need to go down and talk to these women and these young, you know, teenagers, 20 year olds and help them understand 
where they can benefit the different hormones according to their cycle. So I I just want to point that out because there's so much hormone illiteracy. Like we do not know hormones. Even women don't know hormones. So so don't feel bad if you're if you're hearing this for the first time. Um, And And also, I just want to throw in here, too, because I've watched this happening for 20 years or so because I have daughters. Um, So they'd have a friend over and the friend would start having really bad cramps. I always keep some progesterone around and. Uh, to say here, rub a little bit of this in and within an hour, the cramps were gone. There's so many young women today that are progesterone deficient uh, and those cramping and things are a sign of that. Yeah. So, so that, that's like becoming the norm is that we, these kids don't have enough uh, progesterone. And I just thought of something because it just happened a few days ago. Um, a young, somebody contacted me because a 14 year old girl was having awful problems. Like her heart was going crazy. She felt like she was going to faint. Uh, it was really bad. And so she was scared. She didn't know, not understand what was going on. And um, so I got called and I said, that's definitely hormones. And, you know, give me some more information. Well, turns out that her doctor to regulate her period had put in a birth control pill, not for birth control, but for regulating her period, it was an implant, you know, I'm not really up on yeah, birth controls, yeah. but it's a little implant. You probably know all about this. And, you know, they put it in and um, she, I'm sure I said, do you get constipated? She said, well, sometimes she wasn't clearing all that estrogen that was going into her body. And yeah. that's what began to happen. So I helped her out there, even had her go on a calm, you know, magnesium calm to yeah. start eliminating better in uh, some supplements to clear that estrogen more effectively. But Anyway, that's another issue right now. These young girls yeah. are going on these implants or other forms of birth control pill. Would fasting have, should I have recommended that she fast? Yeah. And, you know, you, um, in the new book, I have a 30-day fasting reset where a woman will be able to just look at what day of her cycle that she's on and go, okay, I'm day 10. This is the fasting length I should do. This is the food style I should do. We're even in process of creating an app so that a woman would just go on and be like track her cycle and then could pull up what fast she wants to go after. So in the future that, you know, that part is coming. Um, but what to your point, and this one is also baffling me, and it was hard to write to this. And you know, Donna, as an author, you know, you want to try to address every issue you can think of that anybody would ever have. But we've got a lot of women that are on IUDs, um, that are on the implants, and they don't know when their cycle is. So they don't, they can't even tell you because they're, they don't bleed normally. Okay. That scares me too, because our, when we bleed, that is a form of detox. That is how we get toxins out of us. So right. if we're manipulating hormones th- through this birth control process and women aren't bleeding, what does that mean for cancers down the road? What does that mean for the, for menopause down the road? The, when we look at PCOS being so popular in the early thirties and even mid thirties, late twenties, this can be contributed to by the birth control. So that's a whole nother discussion. But it, I, again, I just feel so strongly that as women, we need to get to know our hormones so that we can personalize our lifestyle so we don't end up down a, a really bad hormonal path. Well, I feel like it took us off of the path here, but what you just said is super important because millions of young women are on these birth control yeah. devices of some sort. So I'm glad we yeah. went there, but... 
Getting back to the cycle, the first, second, third, fourth week. Yes. Yeah. Can we yeah. look at each one of those and then? Yeah, let's let's make it really simple. And what I did in the book is I actually gave them fun names so that we would actually remember them. So here's how this works. Day one is the day that you bleed. So I get this question all the time. How do I know when the first day of my cycle is? The first day you have to use feminine care and like that, a feminine care product, that is day one. So if you spot leading up to that, that doesn't count. But the actual first day is when you're bleeding. So day one through day 10, you're, the first couple of days you're in having your, your period, and then your body is working on building estrogen. So think of day one through day 10 is estrogen building. You want to bring down your carbohydrate load. You want to go more into uh, longer fasts. If you want to do a three-day water fast, that's a great time to do it. If you want to extend your fast and push it, no problem. Day one through day 10, I call it your power phase because you can power up on all your health tools. It's a great time. Then we about day 11 to day 15, we go into ovulation. I called this in the book the manifestation phase because I don't think we've given enough credit to ovulation. If you look hormonally at what's happening to us during ovulation, estrogen is at its highest, testosterone's at its highest, and we have a little bit of progesterone. So what this means is estrogen puts us in a good mood, gives us great mental clarity, makes our hair nice and full, gives us beautiful, uh, luscious skin, allows us to multitask incredibly well, well. So you've got this incredible hormone that is giving you the gift of gab and making you look beautiful. Testosterone. And maybe have sex and have a baby. Right? Like, it's, there's a reason behind really important it. time. Yes, exactly. It's crazy. When you start to break it down, you're like, oh my gosh, whether you want to believe it or not, we're hormonally designed to, to reproduce. So, yes. right? In every way, shape, or form. So then testosterone comes in, to your point. So we, our libido, I was at a conference the other day and I was, to the men in the room, I'm like, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, you better know when your when your gal is ovulating because that's your best shot right then and there. Her testosterone's coming in, so her libido's up, but also our motivation is up. So our drive to get accomplish anything, which is why I call it the manifestation uh, time. Mm-hmm. And then you you know you get a little bit of progesterone to keep you calm. Now in a fasting world. Even though we know that fasting can improve testosterone production, we don't want to go too high in our fasting window. 15 hours is good during ovulation. And and let me tell you why. When we hit 17 hours, the body starts to detox and repair itself. And a lot of toxins live in our tissues. Well, when hormones are high, those toxins come out. So I have found pairing a long fast with a lot of hormone surge is not a good combo. So keep during those that day 11 to day 15, let's keep it around 15 hours. And I actually think you want to up your glucose a little bit. And to your point, we want to bring in more fermented foods. We want to bring in more foods that feed our microbiome because we, we have a whole set of bacteria that break this estrogen down. So switching more to what I call hormone feasting foods, which are your squashes, your potatoes, more green leafy vegetables, and then keeping your fast around 15 hours. And and this would be the time to avoid alcohol and things that will toxify the liver. That's going to let you use these hormones that you've already made efficiently well. Great. So, right? You know, this is a lot of information and I'm 
hoping people right now, you know, don't feel overwhelmed. But the thing is, is that this is recorded and you can listen to this five, 10 times yeah. if you want. Uh, when you're cooking, when you're driving, it has to be listened to more than once. Like if you get Agreed. in bed at night and you're ready to fall asleep, instead of reading a book, listen to this. It has to be listened to because it looks seems complicated, but actually... It's not. No. Once you get really used to it. And if you're a mom and have a teenage daughter or somebody coming of age, this is the kind of information we need to be Thank you. passing downstream. You know, once upon a time, women, older women, that was their job yes. was to know this and then teach it to the younger women. Yeah. So what we're talking about is extremely important for the human race, actually. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I want to inject something. This really is, I should probably not say this, but... You know, I've lived long enough to see a lot of changes in people. And I see right now that all these kids are coming to the world. They're confused about their sexual identity. And um, there's no, like, nobody asked the question, well, why, why is this happening? But we have all these toxins and, you know, these are consequences. And I think hormonally, when a woman's pregnant, when she has a child, you know, those, the, there's the wrong kind of hormones, uh, washing over these fetuses and all and confusing them uh, as to whether they're male or female. So when I say that this is literally critical for the human race, we're talking about fasting equal detoxing. Yeah. So preparing for your child to come into the world so we can stop this kind of painful yeah. Uh, situation. So, if you want to add anything to yeah, that, yeah, I think I think I'm it's sure you're It's a tricky. It's a tricky conversation. So, I'm I'm actually glad you brought it up, and um, because we are really moving into a time where we've got a lot more people that are fluid with their sexuality, they're fluid with their gender, and I, we want to be accepting of everybody. And at the same time, we're getting evidence of things like I don't know if you're familiar with Shauna Swan. But she wrote a book called Countdown, and I actually interviewed her on my podcast, and we talked about um, the fact that you would, Donna, you would love, you guys would be a great conversation because what she found, discovered was that when a woman is, when a baby's in utero in the first trimester, if they're exposed to specifically one toxin called a phthalate, which is in colognes and air fresheners. It's in our water. It's in, it's in our meat. If, if she gets too much of that, it actually lowers the testosterone of the baby if it's a man. And that lowering of the test of testosterone changes a man's penis size. And so she got a, term. I know, I was like, she was just got a lot of men with their ears perked up right, right? now. Like so. she was on Joe Rogan talking about this and I wanted to understand the clinical benefit behind it. So I was like, how does that happen? And she said, what happens is in that first trimester, if testosterone tanks, the space they, we call it the hypospadias area between the anus and the testes shortens. And it, as it shortens, it pulls the penis in and it actually makes a man's penis smaller from one chemical in the womb. I mean, wait, say that again from one chemical, one, one chemical from, exposure. From yeah. Yeah. From those which are found in plastic. Yeah. One, one phthalate overexposure to phthalates mm -hmm. causes testosterone to go down in the womb, which changes penis size and then also changes the amount of sperm 
that that male is going to be able to produce, leading to more infertility. So, so what I said before about how critical this is for human development, um, that's an understatement. Right. What you said is very, very important. And again, it absolutely points to the fact that in order to prepare for a child, you need to change your diet and your lifestyle, but absolutely fast because that will solve this problem. Doing those three things yeah. will solve this problem and we'll be able to move forward with healthier human beings versus what we're creating right now. That's right. So um, let's see. So we talked about the different cycles. Oh, let me finish the cycle. Let me finish because okay. I, I... Oh, okay. So, so once... No, just because I want... I, this is so important. Yeah, no, there's a lot of... I mean, this is... Can you see why I, I can't stop talking about hormones? It's, you know, it's... And it, it affects your, our relationships. It affects our health. It affects how we feel about ourselves. Like, this is why we have to have conversations like this, whether we're pushing buttons for people or not. You know, the job is for the listener to, to decide what they want to work with and what they're going to work on in their own health. So once you come out of ovulation, we have another dip in hormones. I call it the second power phase. It's from about day 16 to day 19. You can go keto again. You can fast great during that time. But once we hit day 20, this is when progesterone's coming in. And she needs you to not fast and she needs you to raise your glucose and she needs you to chill out on the couch a little bit and not run a marathon. She, she needs you to say no to certain activities so you can nurture her, which is why I called it the nurture phase. But you mentioned the word keto. So let's just talk about that a little bit. I feel like I have always been promoting because it's a low, body called is a low carb yeah. diet. Um, and to me, you know, the digestion of fat is very much dependent on uh, the person's ability to process fat. Um, since I've become healthier and healthier, I, and because I only eat good fats, I feel like I've been able to increase the kind of, you know, the amount of fat that I'm eating over time. But, you know, I, I think uh, keto is, we should talk about that for just yeah. a second. Yeah. So, you know, I think when people think of the ketogenic diet, they think of it as high fat. Um, or the second thing they'll think of is low carb. And I, I actually don't approach keto that way. In, in Fast Like a Girl, I map out um, a diet I call ketobiotic, which is probably very similar to the work that you've been doing, which is really using nature's food as a healing tool. And I strongly feel like the best path to ketosis, if you want to get ketones, is fasting. Just, just work on shortening your, your eating window and your body will make ketones. And the important part of that conversation is to remember that we have two energy systems. We have an energy system that we get when we eat food. We call that the sugar burner system. And we have an energy system that we get when we fast, and we call that the fat burner system. So when you clean your diet up and you're eating nature's carbs, your blood sugar doesn't spike as high. It, st it starts to come down, and when you're 13, 15 hours into a fast... Typically, you'll switch over into fat burning and your body will start to burn energy from fat and it will make ketones as a sign that it's doing that. So ke all ketones are is a sign your body's now burning energy from fat, not from sugar. Well, you said ketobiotic. Now, just is that because did you come up with that term because a lot of saturated fat 
does disturb the microbiome? I mean, what, it was, why it was biotic? Yeah, biotic was more about eating uh, the th- what I call the three Ps, the polyphenol, probiotic, and prebiotic foods. What I noticed oh, okay. in the keto movement is people go low carb and then they stop eating vegetables. They stop feeding their microbiome. So to me, the biotic is remembering that you're adding foods in that will keep you in ketogenic state, but you're adding in foods that feed the microbiome. And that's why I'm so big on fermented vegetables and we have probiotic liquids that you can have a shot three or four ounces every day. And that's really critical for putting good bacteria in your body. Now, um, so I have all these different uh, questions. Like somebody asked me to be sure to ask you about coffee. So mm, let's say yeah. you're fasting, you know, can they have coffee? Can they have coffee with cream or? Yeah, well, that's it's, keto. It's a great question. And it's like, I feel like it's the most hotly debated topic when it comes to fasting. So um, what? let's just take black coffee Black coffee, your coffee should always be clean. Let's start with that. No mold, no pesticides. I'm not a Starbucks fan. Sorry, Starbucks or Pete's or any of them that because there's too many chemicals in them. So let's start with that. Make it clean. Then coffee itself stimulates autophagy. So it's actually a good tool in a fasting window to get even more repair. Now, if you want to add cream or you want to add MCT oil or you want to add butter, there are a lot of different ways that you can look at this. What we find when you add a fat is it helps you switch over into the fat burning system much quicker. So those people that are trying to get into ketosis, they're trying to to burn fat, put some butter in there, put a little bit of cream and you're going to get there a lot quicker. What you start to see is that If you start to add things like collagen powder, um, if you add too much cream, it has protein in it, and now it pulls you out of autophagy. So it's it's funny how one drink has so many possibilities. Black coffee would be the best. Black with MCT oil would be the second best. A little splash of cream may be okay. Too much cream, too much collagen. You'll make ketones, but you won't be in autophagy. I want to just add a little bit of that and thank God you said that because that's amazing information. But, um, you know, a lot of people with SIBO or IBD, they'll go on a FODMAP diet. And I I believe in that myself for a short term, like two to four weeks to not, you know, because those foods are the FODMAP, the fermentable sugars, they are producing um, gas and bloating. So I, I think two weeks or something avoiding those particular foods that Monash University has identified cause gas and blo- bloating is a good idea. But cream and MCT oil are both fine. If you're doing a FODMAP diet, you can do cream and, um, and MCT oil. So I'm glad you clarified that. That's I'm sure everybody's excited to learn that. It's one of the um, tricks when you start to fast longer is you get this little fat bomb coffee drink and it keeps you going. And it's a, it's the research on fasted snacks is mind blowing. They are showing that when somebody has a pure fat bomb in a fasted state, that it allows them to fast longer. This is for both men and women. And therefore they continue to get a lot of the metabolic benefits. We continue to see insulin come down. We continue to see CRP come down. So, so it, you know, if you're new to fasting, don't be scared to power up your coffee. Well, let's say that they have some 
coffee in the morning and it's got caffeine in it. But later on, they, they've got that gene, CYP1A2. So they don't clear caffeine. So they decide they want some more coffee, but they don't want the stimulation of the caffeine so that they'll sleep later. Is that true for non-caffeinated or does it have to be with No, you could do it. You could do non-caffeinated too. Yeah, you could totally do it. So it isn't the caffeine. Yep. Or is it the caffeine or the polyphenols and other things in the coffee that are important? So the one thing that I don't know is if the caffeine helps stimulate uh, autophagy. So like, let's just use Dave Asprey as an example. I've had so many conversations with Dave about coffee, MCT oil in your fasting window. Of course, he's a fan of MCT oil and, and coffee in your fasting. <laughs> I mean, that's part of his gig. But but the reason behind it is really got some good validity to it, which is that it is this incredible tool for allowing us to fast longer and it helps stimulate autophagy. So when you add cream... When you add collagen, you're now risking taking yourself out of a state of, co- of, of autophagy. But to your point, if you take the caffeine away, are you taking yourself out of autophagy? That I'm going to have to go research. I do not know the answer to that. It's a, it's a great question. So I will find out and get back to you. You'll probably write a blog on that. If you do, I'd like to post it and put it in my newsletter. Yeah. So let me know that. So I actually interviewed okay. Dave when his, his fasting book came out. So we have a podcast on oh, that. Oh, nice. And uh, so let's see if there's something else I wanted to ask. I have all these notes again. Oh, so, you know, a lot of people I notice right now are doing Walter Longo's fast. What do you think of that? Or could you... Just explain it a little so bit. That, is again, it considered a real fast? I'm it's just cutting down calories and, and yeah. So um Susan Blum, who I love, has um a product called Fast P H A S T where she sends you uh things to eat and you're supposed to do her fast um three for one time, but er, one, 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 like three one month, two months, three months. And so I looked at it, I thought, you know, I'm probably gonna like it, but I'm a really big, you know, I'm really trying to teach people about oxalates in foods because we have mm. so many people with stim- systemic mm. yeast infections today and yes. they're already fungus, mold, yeast, both are fungus. They're producing a ton of oxalates in our body. And then you eat a high oxalate diet. It's a problem. That's why I'm not big on collagen because the yeast will use the collagen to make oxalates and Susan's foods that she's put in there, I hope I don't get, she doesn't get angry at me for this, but they are very high oxalate. So that's my concern. Um, I just want to throw that in there. That's a little bit of my complaint with Walter Longo's, um, uh, with his product. And let me tell you uh, what we know about his research. For starters, Walter Longo is really one of the premier fasting researchers that we have in the world. So He's been studying fasting, all different types of fastings for decades. And his most famous study came, you know, he works at the University of Southern California and his most famous study is the 72 hour water fast rebooting white, old white blood cells. And the theory behind it was you could take people who are going through chemotherapy and if you had them fast for at least 72 hours through that whole experience. Wait, wait, what therapy? Cancer or what? Is chemotherapy chemo, through okay, chemotherapy. Through chemo, okay. People with cancer. Okay, yeah, that you could start to see a their old white blood cells would re would slough off, and new white blood cells would form that would help fight cancer. 
So originally that study is incredible. And um, if you're looking to just really create a whole immune reset, 72 hours is of water only is incredible. But what happened to Volter is he came out of that study and said, okay, well, not everybody's going to do a three-day water fast. So what's the most minimal amount of calories and nutrients I can give the body and still get stem cells to repair? And this is what he did. He created Prolon. And five days, one every month for three months in a row, he gave type 1 and type 2 diabetics this Prolon food. And what he found after three months, and this was even in type 1 diabetics, that he could start to see uh, cells regrow in the pancreas that produce insulin, that they literally were seeing these beta cells regrow. That's incredible. And that, you know, I look at Prolon and I'm like, unbelievable. And they have a mission to get it into hospitals instead of hospital food to give them Prolon. I love all of that. Do you need to spend $300 for five days to get stem cells? I, my answer is no. Learn to water fast. Everybody that I do this with, water fast with, or I teach them the different ways of fasting, it's just easier than eating food. It's so much easier to just go without food. And to your point, I do not believe everybody's going to be okay with their food. It is A, it's high in glucose. Um, so it's a little too high for my likings. And B, it's not all organic. And C, we've got foods that are going to flare up SIBO and they're going to flare up gut dysbiosis. You're better off going without food and letting that microbiome repair itself. And her, her, you know, program is definitely healthier. Um, I was shocked at how unhealthy his was when I saw lots of doctors starting to go into it. Um, it's expensive, like you said, but I'm now suddenly seeing here in the South where I live, all these women starting to ask me, what do you think of the Brolon diet? So glad we covered that. Now, now the yeah. microbiome, let's talk about that because, uh, I know that you have said that a certain fast, helps reset the microbiome. So let's go into that more because that's huge. And you, you, you have a study on that. Where would people find that yeah. study? Yeah, so the 24-hour fast was studied um, and shown to reboot intestinal stem cells. So I call it the gut reset fast in the new book. And basically, when we go 24 hours, we not only get rid of the old bacteria that are no longer serving us, but we upregulate intestinal stem cells. And that is a study out of MIT. Does, can you and give us so, the name of it? Um, Do you happen to know off the top of your head? I think if you just Google um, uh, intestinal stem cells with fasting MIT, it's everywhere. Okay, you great. should be able to, it's a, it's a, in the fasting world, it is a big study. It's almost as big as Walter Longo's 72 hour study. Great. So that popular. Um, so, so with that, let's go back to this idea of candida, leaky gut, parasites, all the, the people, women who've been on two decades of birth control pill, multiple rounds of antibiotics. I think you and I, and hopefully the listeners would agree, we have a microbiome mess right now. And so then that leaves people left to go, well, what diet, what supplement, what should I do? And what I found is if you start to incorporate this 24-hour fast, the body will start to repair itself. And now your supplement works better. Now your diet works better 
over time, I've even seen with once a week of 24 hour uh, fasting, we start to see people, their food allergies go away and they're able to handle the oxalates and the lectins. I actually had a conversation with Stephen Gundry about uh, when his book came out, uh, The Energy Paradox. He really pointed to low energy as being a leaky gut issue. And I asked him, I said, if you can repair that leaky gut, are you going to be able to eat the oxalates and lectins, which he, you know, so brought to the forefront for all of us. And he said, absolutely. You, the most important time to stay away from the oxalates and lectins is when you know there is gut dysbiosis, when you know that there's a leaky gut issue. Well, fasting, fasting is one of the greatest ways to repair that microbiome so that your healthy diet starts to work for you again. And I like what you said that your supplements will work better because let's say someone does have SIBO and they know that the most common microbes up in the gut that are causing a problem are Klebsiella, but especially E. coli. It's in the wrong place or it's pathogenic. And we have a great product called Echophase for that, that I think everybody with should absolutely be on. But um, so, so what you're saying, basically, what I'm just now realizing is that the, if they do that 72 hour fast, 24 hour fast, 24 hour, is it? Which one? Yeah, 24, 24 hours. Okay. Do that six o'clock to six o'clock, let's say. Yep. Then they start using something to kill the uh, E. coli, for example. Yes. Um, it will be even more effective because probably what yes. you've done, and please say yes or no about this, but you know, microbes die if they don't get fed something. And so you probably weakened them, made them yes. less less in number and also um you know reoccurring SIBO like they some maybe will die but then they keep you know coming back a bunch don't die and then they'll yes. reappear again and become a problem this is important so you should couple if you're a SIBO person SIBO or SIFO by the way which is small intestinal fungal overgrowth Mm. anything you're trying to do anything on that program including diet uh eating low five net foods fast the 24-hour fast is basically what mindy's offering us here so yes. very important yeah and i i just love where your brain went with that because what we can do is we can use this 24-hour fast to just clean wipe the slate clean get some repair and then come in with a supplement like yours and we've weakened them. We can, if there's anything there, you, you know, and I don't know if you've thought about this, but then you would just time that supplement post fast. And now you've really heightened the sensitivity and the efficacy of that supplement, which is amazing. Uh, <clears throat> this is, I knew this was going to be an important interview. Let me look real quickly over my notes and see. Well, and let me say one more, let me, I want to say one more thing while you're looking over your notes. Okay. Um, the other thing that was really important when um, when I went to write this book was the fact that we that we look at what we break our fast with, and it it really and for women especially because if we go back to this idea around the microbiome, remember your microbiome is breaking down estrogen, so we need this microbiome to be in good shape for women. So when we look at what we should break our fast with, if like you have me thinking now, you go twenty four hours. You use that product. What was it called? An echo? Uh, it's called echo phage. Uh, it just, it's a phage, a virus that has one and only purpose in phage, life. Yeah, phages and are it, awesome. This particular one, uh, there are four of them all put together. Their only job in life is to kill 
E. coli, and I take it all the time, you know, off and on all the time for a while, a week or so. They grow very rapidly. So, you know, just like one or two a day is uh, going to, they're going to multiply like crazy. Yeah. So, but the reason is, is that E. coli is a microbe that's commensal, meaning that it can be fine in the gut, but it so easily becomes pathogenic when the environment is pathogenic. And when it goes up into the small intestines, well 85% of people with SIBO have E. coli. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and phages are amazing. You know, I, I did some research on, on phages years ago and they used to be the hero of the day before antibiotics came around. Yeah. I'm sure and in some parts of that. the world, like Georgia, Russia, not Georgia, you know, in our, in our country, but, uh, yeah. they're still using them with amazing success. So hopefully they'll come yeah. back into play, hopefully. But, um, yeah. yeah, unfortunately they're in our country. Um, that's the one that's most available. And, there isn't one for Klebsiella, but I know that, um, you know, over in mm -hmm. England, they're developing one, maybe they're close to having it available for Lyme disease, you know, bacteria Ooh. that will, Ooh. the phages will get rid of Lyme disease. And what an easy yeah. way to kill these microbes, yeah. these bacteria. So yeah. glad we, glad we and then that what in. you could do is you could do your, your longer fast, your 24 hour fast, take your phage. And then whatever food you recommend for those diets, then add that in. So think of that 24-hour fast as you're wiping the slate clean, you're weakening these bacteria or viruses or parasites. You come in with a killer or with a, a really good supplement like you've got, and then you put a good diet in there that's going to support a healthy microbiome. And now you've stacked three really cool healing tools together and, I'll, and that's what I love. Well, I would say um, that the phage should be taken away from food, that cophage, and that's where I think a couple of weeks, maybe two, uh, avoiding those foods that Monash University has identified are causing gas. So that those are fermentable sugars, uh, and they, they're in a lot of foods, but there's still a bunch of foods. I do it all the time just to prove that you can eat really, really well. Uh, by avoiding this, so sometimes it's criticized saying, well, there's nothing left to eat, but there certainly is. So I like the app. So Monash University has developed an app for about $9, but, you know, I'll go into the store and pop that uh, app on and uh, just double check and make sure that's a low food map, five map food. So amazing. Uh, I love yeah. the fact that you're bringing out an app. Oh my God, it should be yeah, extremely we, popular. We We've been asked over and over again, so we finally bit the bullet and did it. And um, back to your thought on the echo phase, you could maybe take it at like hour 20, so when they are in the weakened state, and then give yourself another four hours before you eat food again. You know your product better than That's me. That's a great idea. But yep. that would be one way to do it. Yeah, perfect. Well, so my yeah. so breakfast, you mentioned break the fast. Um what do they break the fast with? And what about breakfast? Because I am one yeah. of those people that didn't eat breakfast. I didn't have an appetite. And that's how I was able to extend my fast. Um, not that crazy about breakfast, but I do love well-made eggs. I mean, properly digested and everything. But also, I have found that the fertile eggs are the most digestible by far. Organic are important. You can't just go buy your eggs at a regular store. You can get fertile eggs sometimes from a farmer's market, but not so often. California, they are easier to get, but they're way easier to digest. But anyway, so I, I think eggs are good. Yeah. 
and um, yeah. good for the brain and, and everything. And they've got A and D and the vitamins A and D. So uh, I'm an egg person, but I'll have my eggs closer to like 11 o'clock uh, when I, I'm breaking my fast, actually. So can you just yeah. throw in breakfast a little bit? You don't yeah, want a bowl so- of cereal. <laughs> No, no, please no bowl of cereal. Um, so here's the way to look at your fasting window. You get to decide where it's going to be. So if you like breakfast and you want to eat breakfast, then maybe you stop eating at three o'clock in the afternoon and you just move your eating window up a little bit so that you're fasting from three until seven the next morning. That, that's, that eating window is movable. So that would be the first thing and it's based off lifestyle and personal preference. The second thing is I believe in three things that you break your fast with. You either break it with protein if you want to build muscle. And if you are going to do that, you want to try to get your protein up to 30 grams because that will trigger an amino acid receptor site in the muscle that will build muscle strong. Good for your brain. Or you want to, great for your brain. Or you want to break it with um, fat. And the, and the way you would want to, why you'd want to break it with fat is maybe you want to go a little longer. It's like one of my favorite things to break a fast with is a avocado with some sauerkraut and hemp seeds and some sea salt. That's like my go-to. And I did eggs today, right before I popped on with you, I did four eggs. So I just straight with some sea salt. So you, you want to be very intentional about what you're creating when you eat that first meal and, um, protein will build muscle Fat will help you fast a little longer. And then um, I call it the three Ps, polyphenol, probiotic, and prebiotic foods will start, if you don't have SIBO to your point, will start to repair the microbiome. Great. And you mentioned the term sauerkraut. I stopped using that term a long time ago because Mm. people would go in the store and buy this jar of sauerkraut, but it was not, didn't have live bacteria in it. It had vinegar and things like that. So I use the term fermented vegetables or cultured vegetables and Perfect. where sauerkraut is usually just cabbage with cultured vegetables. You can do a variety of vegetables and then you get many more nutrients when you eat that. And I always eat fermented vegetables with my eggs because another thing I've heard people say, I can't digest eggs. Then they eat them with fermented vegetables and they always digest them. So I think yeah. eggs are great. And so basically what you're saying to extend the fast a little longer, having that cup of coffee with cream in it, uh, or MCT oil or butter or something like that would be helping you extend your fast, right? Yeah. 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 And then there's other little products like, and I'm not name brand, you know, this is just what I use. Uh, keto cups are great. They're little fat bombs that are just MCT oil with some cocoa in them. I eat those all the time during my fasting window. Where do you I've buy those? Where do you get those? Uh, well, you can find them on our website. Um, again, I don't have any affiliation with them other than I just love them. I love the product. Um, they're great to take on the go. And they and they fit all the requirements of a fat bomb, which is in a fat snack. So what's in so, them? Uh, it's um, MCT oil, um, uh, coconut, uh, and cacao powder. Oh, so, so there's no sweeteners. Yeah, yeah no and just to throw this into um, chocolate and cacao are, are high in uh, oxalates for people that are yeah, you know, they, you don't it want- may have some it may have some Jerusalem artichoke in it, so it may not fiber, so it may not be good for SIBO people. But um, if you don't have SIBO, I've found it to be really great. Too bad they don't make it with white chocolate because that is okay. <laughs> no, no oxalates well, you there. Should tell them, yeah, yeah, good idea. <laughs> yeah. You should tell the Dutch people. 
uh, they should have you on to talk about hormones and fasting because I love Dutch. Mm. The, it's DutchTest.com. They have great webinars to teach women, uh, practitioners, and yeah. normal people uh, about their hormones. But they, I've never ever seen them do um, anything on this. So you've got to, got to get out there. You've got to get in touch with Dutch Test. Yeah. Have you? We actually have a call with them. My team has a call with them next week. I'll, I'll, oh, that's perfect. a great suggestion. I'll ask yeah, them. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Okay, great. Now, I think I ran out of questions, and I know we've gone on for a long time, and I really am grateful for you um, spending all this time. I think this is an no, amazing I conversation. I have heard you on other – I mean, you're out there on YouTube, David Jockers. I've heard you do other you know, conversations or interviews with people, and I think this was pretty special. So I'm hoping people yeah, will – share it and remember to okay so uh, if you don't mind telling us um about the support group how you know what mm-hmm. how about joining that and then go right now and sign up for fast like a girl book um yeah need it yeah with fast like with fast like a girl um what i'm so proud of is that they're never we we don't have a manual like this for women so there's never been a book written with six different fasts for women of all ages, timing it to their to our hormones. So I'm just excited to have this go-to manual get out to them. Hay House bought the book, is publishing it, and they're excited. So we'd love your support to go buy the book. And I hope women do it as book studies. There's just so much we can learn about ourselves beyond just fasting in there. Yeah, and I'll tell you um, something about book publishers. They, they'll they push a book mm. for a short period of time. And after that, it's up to you, the author, to keep promoting it and keep it selling. So I'm asking everybody to help get this book out there. Like, don't just have your first yeah. week and it sells really well. Hand it to teenage girls. Maybe you can get it into a sex education program in your local high school or do something, you know, get your daughters together and hand them out this book and then teach them this stuff or have them, you know, chat among themselves. But um, this book is an important book. And I I, I hope people help you promote it. Uh, It's a book that should be uh, green, (laughs) evergreen, they say, and lasting for a really, really long time. Um, and please, everybody, help Mindy get this information out. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And one thing that I keep saying is this book is like a coming out party for women because one I really hope is that we start to take our power back and we start to understand ourselves and then time a lifestyle that matches our hormones and then teach doctors, teach other health practitioners, teach our fitness uh, trainers, like the people around us, how our hormones need to be treated. So I look at it as literally this empowerment book for women. And we've had so much, oh my gosh, Donna, we've had so many uh, people interested in it, lots of celebrities. Uh, Leanne Rimes wrote the foreword of it. Um, I've got uh, Danica Patrick has been using the principles and wrote an endorsement. Elle McPherson um, has written an endorsement. It's in the hands of Maria Shriver right now. She was interested in understanding it, especially when it comes to Alzheimer's. So, I mean, literally women are like coming out of the woodwork saying, thank you. We need this. Finally, we have a manual that we can use the tool like fasting for a woman's health benefits. So, um, yeah, any support y'all can give would be amazing. And I, you do such a great job teaching this and these phrases that you use. Like one of the ones I wrote down that I just love is progesterone gets shy when cortisol goes high. I love that. So I'm sure the book is full of amazing 
you know, phrases like that that'll stick in your mind. So, gosh, just one more question, then I promise I'll say goodbye. Of course. I wondered, because I believe I read that a woman who is having a problem with her period, maybe it stopped altogether, did you actually have women in the support group whose periods come back again, even though they've been oh. in menopause? Because I can't hang up until you say something about that. Yes. Okay, so two things I want to say, or actually three things I'll say on that. For starters, I can't tell you how many menopausal women we get messages from that apply the principles of fasting that I teach and tell us that they get a cycle again. Now, they get a cycle one. It's not like they cycle regularly, but they get one last cycle. And I look at that and go, oh my gosh, that's so good. It was like, it's like a cleaning out of estrogen and any other hormones that are in her body. So that happens all the time. The second thing, when I went to go write the book, I was curious what it would do for women that are, were struggling with fertility. So we, we ran a small test, and this is five women. It's not a large sample size, but I took five women that have been struggling with uh, getting pregnant for over a year, and I ran them through the 30-day fasting reset. All five of them were either pregnant within the first month or within 60 days, all five of them. That's huge. That's super huge because infertility is just rampant and people are spending yeah. so much money. It's so painful. You spend a lot of money to go through yeah. those, all the, to manipulate your hormones and then nothing happens. So, wow, right. please press this yeah. around. So, um, last of all, what I want to say, Mindy, thank you for doing this. I mean, this mm. is divine work in my opinion. And I'm so thank glad that so it. many people are, you know, finding it and they're going to, it's going to come out everywhere and change everybody's going to understand it. But you said something really important that I've thought for years is women are powerful people and we're not using our power. We're not, no, we're not. We don't understand how powerful we are. Even just, you know, preparing to conceive a child and then having that child and raising that child would end all this craziness in the world and pain. So If you're a woman, if you're a man who has a woman in your life, this is critical work and many things women need to do to feel their power. But this one is extremely important because our hormones, you know, I think diet's important, but the reason I've spent so much time studying hormones is they rule. They really rule us. So everything, they rule everything in our life. Yep, yep, yep. Mindy, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for doing the work you do. Mm-hmm. And I just hope everybody gets um, the importance of this. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you, Donna. And thank you for paving the way for those of us that got to draft behind your incredible book and the, and the work you've done. I mean, you have really paved the way for those of us to be able to put a book like this out there and for women mm-hmm. to really hear it. So thank you for saying that. For I really appreciate it. It was been a long, long decades of getting the message out but um and i'm always so happy when i see the truth and i think i'm pretty good after 30 you know years or more seeing the truth seeing what's important in this world of confusion confusing information this is important so thank you so very much yeah thank you appreciate you body ecology is not a diet It's a way of life based on seven universal laws that always guide us toward the truth. If you want to know more about us, about these seven universal laws, and about our amazing, effective products, go to our website, 
bodyecology.com. Also, for a free transcript of this show, go to our website. Again, that's bodyecology.com. And of course, if you like what you're learning, we'd be very grateful for a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've got a topic you want to learn about, just let us know. This information does not replace the advice of your doctor or healthcare professional. Thank you very much for listening. And here's to a happier, healthier world.